I'm Jimmy James. I'm Carl Knapp. Carl is a practicing attorney in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. We're longtime friends, and once a week we get together to talk about divorce, child support, custody, criminal law, and much more. So come hang out, because this is Just Lawing Around. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Just Lawing Around podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the husband that was charged with killing Elizabeth Capaldi of Sellersville. The DA just released some information, and I know I've been seeing story this story kind of swirling around since uh, mid-October about this woman that was missing. And uh, it turns out that the husband is now being charged with her murder. Uh, through a little bit of investigation, Carl was able to get a hold of the criminal complaint, the affidavit of probable cause, and the, I guess, what the transcript of the grand jury, which kind of gives us a little inside look at everything that the police had uh, the reason they were able to charge this guy, you know, his statements and what was said. There's a lot of information to unpack here. And I know, Carl, you've brought this up the last two weeks. I think you've brought it up to me as a consideration for the podcast. And I think now is probably the right time. Yeah, we've been talking about this story. I know you and I kind of informally have been kicking it around. And it was kind of at first it was a missing persons report. This woman has been missing since like October 12th, I think is when they first reported her missing. And, you know, the, just recently, I think on the 8th, they filed charges against the husband. December this is the husband and wife. Right. Yeah, December 8th. And I was able, like you said, I was able to get the criminal complaint. And we can, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes to, just so people know. A criminal complaint is basically how you start a criminal case against somebody. So it, it lists the charges in here, and it also, criminal complaints always have what's called an affidavit of probable cause, which is just kind of like the factual basis for the charges. And, and I know you and I have been looking at it, going through some of this stuff. We also were able to get the grand jury report. There was a grand jury investigation into this case. They must have impaneled a grand jury to get that to get more details because so it was it was exactly wild is the grand jury so i've always heard grand jury and i never really understood what that was yeah a grand jury it it, it sounds like a it is a jury per se but they don't find people guilty or not guilty and and look i'm not like an expert on the grand jury but i have seen them generally what they do is they have a panel of people and i i forget Quite off the top of my head, how many are? But what happens is, the usually a district attorney goes in there and they present evidence to a grand jury. They call witnesses uh, in front of the grand jury, and, they, and the reason they do that is because you can bring a witness in, you can put them under oath, and then you can ask them questions. So they sort of have to comply at that point. And now, is this like in the interest of generating? Uh, probable cause or is it in the interest of getting the testimony on record for later use it's usually usually they impanel a grand jury if they're having if they don't know whether or not there's enough to charge somebody or if they're trying to get more information like on an ongoing investigation okay so yet but it is recorded to answer your question so if i go in front of a grand jury and i testify i'm testifying under oath right so which I, can later be used I, yeah, you can get in a lot of trouble for lying to a grand jury. So, yeah, if I change my story at trial and I say, oh, well, no, I, I told the grand jury one thing, but, I, you know, I, I really made that up. You can get in a lot of trouble for that. Right. Uh, 
And then usually what happens with the grand jury is when they're done, once they've presented all this evidence, then the grand jury makes a recommendation. And it's usually they, they recommend either to, to, you know, file charges or not file charges, you know, based on the evidence that we've heard, we think there's sufficient evidence to charge somebody with these, these crimes. Which um, is what happened here where they, 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 is, they deemed it as eligible for charging them. Exactly. For charging Right. It, for charging him. And it was interesting because, you know, as we said, we're looking, at, you know, it's at some of this stuff. He testified at, at, in front of the grand jury, which I think is kind of strange, you know, because I, I think he was probably the target of this anyway. I mean, I think the police had a pretty good idea. Look, it's it's usually the husband, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he's usually the, the first one to look at. But, yeah. but they've been married for a long time, though. It said 30 years or so. So, like, this isn't, like, a fresh marriage that just didn't work out. I mean, this is a long-time marriage. Yeah, and they, they had children, um, at least one, because the, the daughter was actually the one. I say children. She, this guy, I think, was, what, 57 years old or something? 57, so the, yep. Yeah, so the daughter... I don't know, could be 30 years old. She was actually the one that reported the mother uh, as missing. It was, it's funny, or it's not funny, it's strange that the, the defendant didn't report her missing, you know, obviously. Right, the husband, well, yeah, because he <laughs> yeah, was the husband. that's usually how it goes. But my, I was also curious, I would assume that the, the daughter is also the daughter of the, the husband. I, I don't yeah, know if it yeah. is, but I would assume so. I was, I was assuming that two just based on the fact that they were married 30 years, right? If it was a 10-year marriage, you could have said, okay, this was a second marriage maybe, and maybe one of the parties had, you know, uh, kids from a prior relationship. But I think, I, and it doesn't really say... In, it it in says that the, the Perkesy Borough Police Officer, Lewis Palmer, met with uh, the daughter. I don't want to say her name because I don't know if it's listed anywhere, but um, met with the daughter. So... And the daughter does have the same last name, so I would assume that that probably is the... Well, no, because I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But nevertheless, yeah, I, she's the one that made the report of the missing person, uh, you know, a few days or, you know, a period of time after she was missing, and the husband never made any reports. And, of course, they go knock on the door and look for information and, you know, whatever yeah, turned up there. It seemed to, if... if you know, as we read through the grand jury investigation, we read through the affidavit of probable cause. He he cooperated, and you know, I'll say he cooperated. He he spoke to the police. It says that he was interviewed, you know, several times. Um, you know, he was. I'm looking at the criminal complaint. So he was, you know, cooperating, but. I say cooperating, he was really just lying to the police, but he was going in. He didn't like lawyer up and, and say, I'm not talking. Right. You know, he was going in and he was slinging <laughs> false information. Right. Right. Yeah. He, he was trying to say, and I, we were looking that, you know, that she kind of left him because she was having an affair and she, she took uh, some cash from the house and, and, just kind of left because she was unhappy with the marriage is what his original story was. Right. Um, Which wasn't the case at all. It was quite opposite. No, I was going to say the opposite was, but it turns out, I think he, he was the one having the affair. 
And uh, yeah, he, he was having an affair. He was unhappy. Now, we don't know if the wife was unhappy also. Right. But we, we assume that, you know, maybe that, that was the motivation for killing her. I, I know I know we talk about this all the time. I, yeah, I mean, like, can you ever really get into their head? I mean, I think it had to do with this this mischief. I mean, if he was having an affair, obviously he wasn't happy in the relationship. I mean, maybe maybe she found out about it. Maybe he revealed it to her. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he was just like, well, I want to be with this person. How do I get rid of that person? And, you know, was in this terrible situation, which could have been resolved by just simply communicating and get a divorce. If you don't want to be with someone, get a divorce. That, that's that's what I always say. Like, look, get a divorce. Like, obviously, I mean, uh, murdering somebody is not the answer. It's never the answer, right? Right. So, and, and right before we got on here, I said the same thing about the Chris Watts case, which is the yes. Shanann Watts, the Chris Watts, where he murdered his three daughters, murdered his wife, stuffed them in some container, <laughs> and, and all to be with some other woman when you could have just divorced them. Right. And, and, and you know... Or you, you got to assume you're going to get caught, right? So if your motivation is, oh, I'm going to kill my wife and kids, which is, you know, horrifying in and of itself, so I can be with my girlfriend. I mean, do you really think that's a good idea that you're just somehow going to get away with it and then spend the rest of your days with your with your girlfriend? Well, you know, I think this goes a little bit darker than that, because not only did he murder this woman, he cut her up into pieces and yeah. Not only that, but he researched on how to do it. <laughs> well, that, that was, yeah, they found that he, yeah, he was doing, uh, you know, internet searches for, for crazy stuff. And, and as, as I, I'm not in, you know, forensic, um, you know, uh, IT person, but I know, the police can find that stuff, right? If you delete your search history, they can still get it back. Right? Yeah, so. yeah. Stuff doesn't actually get deleted. And a lot of people don't understand how that stuff works. But really, when you delete yeah. something on your computer, you just tell your computer you can allocate this space for new information. And that information that you deleted is still there until it's rewritten, you know? Yeah. So a lot of that and, is easily recovered. Yeah, and I, I don't know if any of these internet you know, companies keep track of these things or not. I mean, obviously, Google is an is an advertising company. They use searches to determine what you're interested in, right? If you search, you know, comfortable running shoes, you know, do you ever notice all of a sudden you get right. all the ads? For right. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So, now if you just talk about that stuff, it starts showing up. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's, we're looking at the, you know, the grand jury report. He's, he's, you know, doing searches, how to get away with murder, how, how, how do you avoid police detection by turning off your phone? Can a polygraph be skewed? How to delete how to Facebook messages? Yeah, how to control your dark impulses. That's, that's strange. That's like, a crazy I, one. Because that, that almost yeah. like, that's, that's almost like, uh, I don't want to say like, a, like he, I don't think he could claim like a crime of passion. Like that's almost premeditated. Like, you know, you have these impulses and you didn't do anything about it. Yeah, and I, I would like to, you know, I, I would be curious to see if he had any kind of, you know, prior criminal record or, or mental illness, um, you know, because this just seems odd that, you know, at, out of the blue, you just, you know, you murder your wife of 30 years and then you dismember her body. 
Um, it, it, yeah, I don't, I don't know how somebody could mentally endure that. I, I don't know how anybody, like now that that's done, I don't know how somebody can live with that on their mind. I, I would, I, I would hang it up. I don't, I couldn't deal with that. Like no, no. Even if you, even if you got away with it. You well, know, here, and there's the thing from 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 murder to charged. It was only two months. Yeah. I mean, we got to give it to these cops. I, these cops did a great job pulling this together in such a quick, short period of time. They did. They did a good. They did a good job on this. Uh, I think they knew, or they had the sights set on this guy from the beginning. Right. Um, I just don't think his story added up. He had a. He had a lot of like kind of strange stuff like you know the fact that she she just skipped town with you know 13 grand cash but she left her car there and she left her iphone there and she left her i think it was ipad so like if you're gonna you know skip town and start a new life i mean usually you take your phone with yeah, you right well, yeah i mean <laughs> it's, it's, it's always the small details you know with the chris watts thing it was very similar you know, it was a security camera. It was the fact that her phone was there. I'm talking about another case now, but yeah, coming back yeah. to this case, uh, I saw that they, that, um, what's his name? I forget his name. It was Capaldi, but I forget his first name. But they, uh, in in his phone, he, he was reading about concrete mix, reciprocating saws. Uh, and I found yeah. it interesting how to create a blacklight. And I assume that's because he wanted to clean the crime scene and then be able to review whether it was clean enough. That's, yeah, that's kind of what I got from that, that, and there was other, there was other, some other thing he was looking at, it was like the FBI, um, like, uh, FBI handbook of crime scene forensics. Oh, so I didn't see that. That's crazy. Yeah, that, that was in one of his uh, searches. Um, yeah, you said you have you do it DIY blacklight, which you said, because I think, he wanted to get erase all the blood and stuff. There's actually a little note. It's it's interesting in the um, the grand jury investigation. It says a a blacklight is a device used to detect traces of bodily fluids such as blood that may not necessarily be seen by the naked eye. So the the way this played out, I believe he he kills her and he kills her on I think October 10th. He kills her. And then he, I think they said he drags her down. First, she's in the bedroom because that's where he kills her. Then he takes her down, I think, to the basement. Um, I think it's important to note, too, because we haven't even said it yet, that uh, it was by smothering of a pillow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which, um, interestingly um, enough, I, I think that you and I were talking about whether or not that pillow is a part of one of the charges as a... Uh, so what what was it? A crime? A tool? Cr yeah, a tool one of the things. Yeah, instruments of crime. Instruments of crime. Yeah, because we were looking at that. The and we'll get to all the charges he he eventually, you know, pled to. But yeah, we were thinking, what's the instrument of the crime? I guess depending on what crime we're talking about, right? The murder, like you said, was committed with a pillow. I think he smothered over the pillow, according to the. Um, affidavit of probable cause but then when you get into charges of tampering with fabricating physical evidence or abuse of corpse what know, is abuse of corpse is that like the dismemberment uh, of it yeah I'm, I'm yeah and i don't have the i could look the statute up but yeah that's the dismembering of the body so whatever he used for that right whether it was the soul um 
you know, or Jesus, I don't know what he used, but, uh, you know, a, a knife, uh, an axe, I don't know. But that would certainly be, that would be instrument of a crime to commit the abuse of a corpse. Right. Um, I think he must have done that in the basement. Um, and it then sounds like I, he did all the dismembering in the basement. And then, yeah. and then interestingly enough, he, he kind of dropped pieces of her in different areas. Which is insane. Yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy because uh, some uh, I I know I know lo- we're we're both local, obviously, but didn't he throw some stuff in a dumpster in Lansdale? I think I read right. That's that's crazy to me. Yeah, in a dumpster in Lansdale apartment complex, which I'm assuming is where his kind of girlfriend. I'm saying girlfriend, you know, mistress, mistress they or call whatever, her. Yeah. Because I think they said she lived in that area. So and we don't have any information on her. We don't have a name or anything like no, that. No, they don't name her. I'm assuming, you know, she wasn't involved in any of this. Well, um, you know, and I was going to kind of go down that road a little bit. What would what would create an involvement for her? You know, yeah, she, what would she have to do to then also be charged or accessoried or an accessory to it? Yeah. She would have to, I mean, she'd have to have some, some involvement in it. So she would have to, like, if he said to her, hey, I'm going to, um, you know, I, I want to kill my wife so I can be with you, but I need, you know, can you go to Home Depot and get, you know, <laughs> trash bags or a tarp or, you know, a, a saw so I can dismember her. Well, what about before yeah. that? What about just the, I'm going to kill my wife so I can be with you? Can yeah, I, don't that... know if that's, I don't know if you have, I don't think you have any obligation to stop that. Not legally, but morally. Right, yeah. <laughs> More, well, morally, I think you certainly do. Yeah. But if, if you say to me, hey, Carl, I'm going to go kill my girlfriend, you know. I don't know that I have to, am I obligated to call the police and stop that? Well, I'm sure people um, say I, that I think all the should. time, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, I was going to say, look, people, you know, it's a, it's a matter of whether you believe. But, but then after the fact, right, you have the same problem. Like if somebody comes to you and says, hey, they, I just killed so-and-so, I need help with the body. Well, I think at that point you better, <laughs> hey, right. you better run. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Especially if that guy wants to date you next, right? Yeah, for real. You're you're a victim in the making. Uh, there's yeah. A, there's a paragraph in this grand jury. Uh, this grand jury. What what is this? Like a transcript? Yeah, the report. Yeah, the report. Yeah, yep. That I find interesting. I kind of just wanted to read it real quick, but it it says it had become apparent to investigators that Stephen Capaldi has turned off his phone numerous times during trips while driving his or his wife's vehicles following her disappearance to evade police detection. Now, this part's the part I find interesting. Through the use of license plate readers, traffic cameras, and other law enforcement tools, police were able to determine where Stephen Capaldi went during those trips. I find that fascinating because they went through the... Like, you know, if you ever see a cop car just driving around and they got these square boxes on the back of them, they're called Mm -hmm. uh, automatic license plate readers. ALPRs, I think is what they are. Um, okay. Automatic license plate readers, but they don't just read it and then ping the cop if you have expired registration. They document that, so then they can go back through and figure out at what point did a cop pass somebody and figure out where mm. they were when they passed them. 
that wow. that's fascinating to me. I didn't I didn't know that that's how they work. Does it does it kind of read every plate that it goes past every like plate that drives past it, it it sees it kind of like a traffic light camera and then it runs it through a database like pretty rapidly and then mm-hmm. determines whether or not that license plate is you know uh expired registration i don't know for sure exactly what it sees i'm only assuming whether it's an expired registration if it's a reported stolen plate uh maybe if it's a bolo'd plate something that they're looking for um, right. but they also put this into a database I, I'm assuming because they were able to go back through these records and find out where he was traveling solely because unknowing police officers were on patrol that day, didn't even interact with this guy, just happened to pass this license plate and it went into a database of when, where, and, and all that information. And then they, you know, they correspond that with traffic light cameras that they have. They go back and say, okay, this cop passed this person at this time. Then they go look at the camera at that time and they verify if it was that person or not. It's yeah. fascinating what technology uh, is doing. Yeah, I, for, I was going to say, and that, yeah, that's very kind of big brotherish too. You know, they're, they're, they know where you are. Yeah. Um, he, he had turned off his phone, I guess, cause he didn't want them tracking the phone. Now, I don't know if they were on to him at that point or not. I don't know whether they had any kind of warrant to, to track his phone or the whereabouts of his phone, but he's shutting the phone off. So I guess then it doesn't ping. So you don't know where he is, but you're right. If you're, if they're doing license plate readers and we'll have to, I'll have to look into that. Cause I didn't know any of that stuff. You know more <laughs> about it than I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, license plates are public, so they, there's nothing stopping them from running that information. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, you know, you have, I, I know most like in Pennsylvania, you don't have a front plate and a rear plate. You usually have a rear plate, right? So you, right. if you're driving towards a car, you won't get the plate. And, right. Uh, but if a cop passes you. Yeah, then you get it from the back, is I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. It's uh, it's unbelievable that they were able to utilize that technology to to not only find him, but see exactly what routes he took and where he was going, just based on normal cops just doing normal patrol, completely unrelated. Right. That I I find that absolutely fascinating, and not only that, but more of an incentive not to commit these crimes because. The technology is just so ahead of us. You're, you're never going to outthink this technology. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, everything is, like you said, is electronic nowadays. You know, they're, he's saying, you know, oh, she skipped, but, you know, and I'm looking further through here, right? Like, uh, they, they check, obviously, your financial activity, whether you went to, you know, the ATM, whether now, your credit card. In order to do that, what kind of information do they need? Like, they... Do they need cooperation of Stephen to do that? Does Stephen have a right to grant permission for them to go into her bank? Or is a missing persons enough for them to get a warrant into that? Like, how does that work? Yeah, it's it's a good question. Um, I, I think, like, I don't know that he would have granted the the permission for for them to check that stuff. Now, if they want to check her financial Records, they could probably do that. I, I'm assuming you need a warrant to do that. Right. Um, and and then you, you know, you get a warrant. You say, look, we have a missing persons judge. It's important that we check her credit cards, her bank accounts, or, and, and, you know, see, check her phone maybe to see if there's any text messages. Um, you know, they, there was a whole slew of stuff that they, they did. And, you know, they, they, 
I think they determined pretty quickly that she didn't just leave the house and right. take off. Right, there's foul play <laughs> they, from the start. Yeah, they check hospitals. I'm looking here, you know, she, there was prescriptions she needed that she didn't, you know, pick she, up. She had a dentist she, appointment she didn't make it, it to. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, like you said, I don't understand how these people, you think you're going to get away with this. There, there's too many links anymore. There's just too many connections that as a human, you just can't possibly think of all of these. I think the only way you'll ever get away with murder, if it is somebody completely random, completely unattached in the middle of nowhere, I, you're not going to get away with murdering a friend, a family member, a, right. somebody you're disputing with, a, a student, a kid, like any someone in your neighborhood. They're going to find it. Now, you're you're right. And. Uh, obviously, we're not giving advice on that. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not, that's not me saying, hey, if you got these impulses, right. go do that. No, you go see a doctor. You go get help with that because that can be helped. Yeah, I remember, I think I read a book somewhere. It was a, it was a fiction book, obviously. But one of the things was, that, you know, never kill anybody you know, which is what you're saying. Like, right. you know, if you, if you kill somebody you know, you have a relationship with. You're already screwed. You're already, you know, there. Um, you know, if you're just, like you said, a random murderer, you, you, you got a better shot of not getting caught, but like there's a camera on every corner, right? And there's, you know, all, everybody's got these ring doorbells, right? And I've yeah. got the, I got ring cameras outside of my office. So anytime somebody walks by, it's you, pinging your phone, it, right? It, it, yeah, it pings and it records, I don't know, 15 seconds, but you can see. Thanks for letting me know yeah. how much time I have. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> you can see like you you know somebody you think of like a you know a city or something you walk down the street you know you're on 40 you different this, cameras yeah you're on 40 different cameras and they go okay i know I, he went past this store at this time and then you know two minutes later he went past that store and then we saw him over you know two blocks over so we know he went this way and, Wait, and you know that's way. crazy that you mentioned that because not only the stores and the buildings but there was a recent case the uh the brian laundry case um I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard about that. The the girl that was murdered uh, in the in um, uh, was it Utah, and then the guy fled, went home to Florida. Anyway, oh the, the, yeah, 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 I know what you're talking about. Yep. Right, the Gabby Petito story. The so yes. the point of she that is is me, that yeah. part of what brought that story together was just a, a just a driver with a dash cam that drove by them as he was mm -hmm. supposedly disposing the body or whatever he was doing. They drove past him and was able to identify where he was at that time just because somebody with a dash cam heard about the story, checked their footage, and saw the vehicle. Saw saw somebody getting in and out of the vehicle. Right, man. And that's just good police work. I mean, that's a lot. That's just a ton. That's just a ton of just hard work by the police. Yeah. Getting people like you. Do you have a dash cam? I don't, I don't have I do, a dash cam. Yeah, because I like to door dash from time to time. And there's some oh, crazy okay. people out there. So I, I put a dash cam on my car. So that's a good idea. So like, but I could see a scenario where, hey, if, you, if say you were door dashing up in, I don't know, Montgomeryville or something. Mm -hmm. And there was a, maybe a missing person or a shooting or something. They might, the police might say, hey, was anybody around the mall, you know, at, at 5 p.m. on Sunday that may have, video may have you know check your dash cam right right yep and that's just good you know that's just a lot of police work it's looking at a ton of footage but it can pay off you know, like you said that that gabby petito case 
eventually that's that's because they were out in the mountains and stuff right that was kind of a a strange case because they were not like in really um you know congested city areas yeah they if the play where they were you were only there if you were living the van life or camping and mm -hmm. somebody in a camper with a dash cam just happened to drive by and mm -hmm. they were able to put his location there because of that they were able to say indefinitely he was there we have evidence yeah, and he was the one who came back, and we're not obviously we're not talking about that case. But he didn't he he died or something, right? Did he? He came back and committed suicide. Killed, yeah, yeah, he killed himself in like the the swamp or something. Yeah, right? in the Everglades. The yep. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a crazy crazy story. But but it's not far yeah, off yeah. from this. I mean, that's what I'm, no. I'm saying. Like you just you can't get away with it. Like it said mm -hmm. that. So he moved. It says he moved her body from the master bedroom. Uh, to the basement and and it's and disposed of uh on the same on the same day so october 12th i'm assuming um so he he killed her i guess he killed her in the bedroom smothered her with a pillow took her down yeah. to the basement went and got tools or went and got tools then killed her i'm not sure the order of that but yeah and, and then dismembered her and then i guess uh, how do you move body parts a trash bag a container like that's the yeah. same it was one of his statements because I think he doesn't. I think the, you know, not to be terribly gruesome, but the the body parts I think remain in the house. Like she's killed on the the tenth, right? She's reported missing on the twelfth, and then he he has his story about he he went looking for um. What did he say? Like driftwood or something on the 9th of, of November. So here we go. He admitted to the grand jury he turned off his phone to go to Philadelphia after midnight on November 5th. So this is, you know, she's been dead almost three weeks at that point. Um, and that's when he he buried his wife's remains on Hog Island on that date, which I think Hog Island, they said, is out by the by the airport in Philadelphia. But so I'm thinking, you know, he's got her body in the house for three weeks before he goes and buries it, you know, November 5th. And I don't know when he threw this stuff in the dumpster, but that's Oh, kinda... yeah, there is like a time gap there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the, the criminal complaint is a little confusing because it says Stephen dismembered Elizabeth Capaldi's body and disposed of same on October 12th. Yeah. So uh, that that part's a little bit confusing to me as far as, okay, he dismembered and disposed of it that day, but then it's saying like, so so then I guess like a month later, he he went and got rid of other, but so he only got rid of some of her that day or? I, yeah, that's, I what I, that's what I was wondering because I don't think he buried, you know, I don't think, you know, he buried some of her down you know, down by Philadelphia, you know, this Hog Island, whatever that is. Um, and that was November 5th. I'm looking at, you know, if we go through the grand jury, which is more detailed, obviously, than the affidavit of probable cause. You know, it's the same facts, but there's a lot more of them, you know, from the grand jury report. But that's when he told the police that, you know, he was collecting driftwood at midnight. I mean, again, his stories are just kind of <laughs> wild. I don't know why you're driving to Philadelphia. You know where Sellersville is, right? Yeah, you're driving to Philadelphia <laughs> to hand out flyers for your missing yeah. wife by the airport. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a you know, like, you, there's a lot of wooded areas <laughs> close to Sellersville. <laughs> you don't have to drive all the way to Philadelphia <laughs> to get driftwood. <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy. So, uh, yeah, that's so. I'm sure every time he talked to the police, he he sunk himself more and more. I mean, because I just think he was he was all over the place, and and I think he did at some point. He did take a polygraph, which was problems. We as we always say on the podcast, it's never a good idea to take a lie detector test, especially if you killed your wife. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, especially after looking up how to deceive a polygraph test. Yeah, exactly. One of my questions for you would be if this guy from day one would have just remained silent, asked for an attorney, said nothing, would they be able to convict him still? Or would they I be able to, they would he be sitting in a jail cell right now? I think they eventually, well, you're saying if he never gave any statements or anything. Nothing. Just yeah. remain silent. I, I think it would have taken longer. I think eventually they would have got him. Well, because the process but, of that is finding out, okay, where she is, determining whether she's alive or not. Mm -hmm. And then they got to figure out, okay, if she's not alive, what was the cause of that? And then right. once they figure out the cause of it, then they have to link somebody to that cause if it was foul play or murder. Okay, there's a right. murder here. How do we link this guy to this murder? And that needs to either be through confession, through an instrument of the crime with his DNA or proof that he was a part of the murder scene. Now, they don't... Do they have anything linking him to the murder directly other than his admission? I, I was thinking that... Uh, I was wondering if they you know they must have searched the house and all right so my guess is there had to be blood or something in the basement although i know he you know he had his black light and um he probably scrubbed the heck out of the basement if that's where he dismembered her and stuff but you you know you everybody sees these you know these shows there's always that one little speck of blood somewhere right. that you miss or but a speck of blood isn't necessarily yeah it may not anything. be it's her house you know yeah that's that's true i think i think you're right there's a there's a whole i, I don't think we'd be having this conversation right now if he if he had shut his mouth this whole time because look october 10th he kills her right this is two months later they charge him right that's december 8th right so it took him two months to get here. But but what what and, created and that he was charge? talking the whole time? Yeah, he was talking the whole time, which he was cooking. Do you himself. have to talk at a grand jury? You don't. You can. You don't have to talk at a grand jury. Uh, he he didn't have to present himself at the grand jury. He could he could take the fifth. I mean, he he has Fifth Amendment rights. Right. That you know that kind of indirectly points the camera at him more if you're if you're a a witness at a grand jury usually what they do is they they immunize you which means look you you don't have any more fifth amendment rights because because whatever you say we're we agree we can't use it against you and usually witnesses don't have that problem but like if you're the guy they're looking at i don't think i would have been testifying in front of a grand jury yeah, I don't think so either. I think if he would have yeah. remained quiet, and I'm not advocating for anybody to get away with stuff, but just in the no. interest of the way the, the criminal law works, 
I think if he would have remained silent, yeah, they probably would have got him at some point. But I, I think it's very plausible he could be sitting in his house still right now while they're sorting this mess yeah. out. I think you're right, and and you you touched on a little bit when you started to say like yeah when first of all like step one when you have a murder right you have to have a body usually you right. have to show that the person is dead and not only are they dead but they were you know the cause of death because if they you know if they find her body and and it turns out you know she was hiking and she she fell off the cliff and and died. Okay, we we have a body, but there's no murder. There's no foul play. Right, and if you don't have a body, then you don't have the victim. Yeah, it, it makes it, right, w- without having a body, it it complicates things tremendously from, from law enforcement standpoint because you don't get any of that evidence, right? You can't say, okay, she died by being shot or she died by being stabbed or smothered or strangled. You don't have any of that. Well, you don't wait, even have it, it if she was killed, right? You don't know. Wait, it, that's is why somebody I, missing? Like if, if my girlfriend or wife or somebody went missing and they couldn't find them for a period of time, is that person being missing enough probable cause to search my phone or search my location or any of that? Like how did they get into his phone and start searching his information and piecing this together? They had to have some kind of probable cause to do that alone, right? So somewhere along the line, they picked up some probable cause, which gave them access to these devices, which I'm sure once they found what he was searching and all of that, that alone is probably probable cause to bring him in, question him, uh, you know, start pointing the finger strongly at him. But prior to that, how do you get access to that stuff in a scenario like this? Normally, yes, you would need you would need a warrant. You would need probable cause to get that warrant. So you you would need the cops would need some evidence that they could present to a judge when when they're asking for the warrant to say look this woman we have, we have reason to believe this woman is isn't just missing cuz and, and that's when they did all the you know the search of her credit cards and her cell phone and so they kind of rule out that she's not she didn't just leave town okay, so then right. they say, okay you know we're pretty certain she didn't just leave town you know, she's, she lived here, you know, she was married, she had a daughter in the area. I don't know if she had a job or whatever, but people just generally don't get up and leave, you know? Right. So I, think they, I mean, so the phone's there, the car's there, cash is gone, something yeah. nefarious is happening. Yeah. So I think, I think now, right, now it points to there probably was some sort of crime committed, but then you got to get to the next step. Okay. Why is it more likely than not that he did it? Right. Well, he, He's he's the husband, right? But he's the closest one. He's claiming yeah, that there's you know, instability in the relationship. I didn't see any, you know, I didn't see any, you know, that, uh, that he cashed in an insurance policy or that he took out life insurance on her. Sometimes you see those, you know, he he had an insurance policy a month earlier on her, and then all of a sudden she's gone. Right. That, that's always a Which sign. Is so that, yeah. stupid that anybody thinks that'll work. Well, it, it's right. That's that's just a, an, another stupid idea but getting getting back to the phone you know i'm looking if if i'm going through this i'm on like page six because i know we both have a copy of this thing and and this goes back to your cooperation towards the bottom there it says uh stephen capoli was asked to surrender his cell phone for examination multiple times for police to better obtain a timeline of events to assist law enforcement in locating his wife and then he eventually handed his phone over, 
Oh, so that sounds voluntary. voluntary. Yeah, no, and he had deleted some of the contents, and so that I don't. That doesn't sound like they even had a warrant. That sounds like they said, "Hey, you know, can we take a look at your phone? Maybe there's some something on there. We need to help find your wife." See, and as some as somebody on the wrong side of the law, that's a problem to him because if he doesn't give him the phone. Then he looks bad. But if he gives them the phone, they might find something. So my question to you is, what if he just destroyed that phone at that point? Would that then, I mean, at that point in time, would that be destruction of evidence? Or or do they not know because they don't know what's on it? I guess, and I don't know if there's any way you can recover all that stuff. If, if you know, if he destroys his phone, I mean, obviously it's going to look guilty to the investigators clearly it's going to look guilty yeah absolutely but, the, but will it save him down the road it might i mean it, it would certainly help him i think right but, but as you said you're you're right like he's he's playing both sides of the fence right like he's he's coming in here as as a distraught husband oh oh my wife of 30 years is missing or my wife of 30 years left me and then the cops are like, well, we'd like to, like, find her. Can you help us? If he goes, well, no, I'm not going to help you. I mean, I'm not going to let you see my phone. They're going to be like, hmm. Right. That's a little, that's a little fishy. Right. right. Like, why wouldn't he at least want to know where she is? Maybe your daughter wants to talk to her. So I think I think these guys fall into the trap. Not guys. Women kill, too, obviously. But I think they seem to fall into this trap where they, they sort of believe their their story. And then they play along with it. Like, oh, my God, my wife is missing. I, I want to get her back. Oh, yeah, here, here, detectives, take a look at my phone. I, I just want to get her back. Well, if you killed her, that's probably not a great idea. Right. And did all these searches and you have a mistress that you're communicating with. Mm -hmm. Like that, that unravels a lot yeah. for law enforcement. Yeah. That's going to unravel a lot. And it, it's interesting that he did give it over voluntarily. And it, it says something, you know, they asked him multiple times. So I get the feeling that they maybe didn't have enough to get a warrant at that point because why would they keep asking him right you're giving yeah. me the phone like <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> they're not going to right if they have enough to get a warrant i think they're getting a warrant and they're taking your phone before you do it you know trash it right absolutely <laughs> before you d destroy it um it's funny because I'm, I'm looking here um he appeared. He did have an attorney at some point. I, I wonder when the attorney got involved, you know. What uh, attorney would want to take this on? <laughs> I, I, I know. It, it's. I mean, you guys have discretion at that, right? Like, do you generally take cases that you know you'll win? Have you ever taken cases that you know you don't have a shot at? It's. I, I, no, I mean, yeah, everybody deserves a defense. So I will. When you say don't have a shot at, I think this lawyer probably did a decent job negotiating. You know, first of all, he got the guy probably out of the death penalty. Does PA and, have that? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, they, they have it, but you don't, I don't think they've executed anybody in a long, long time. You can get sentenced to death in PA. Okay. But they haven't actually killed anybody for, uh, for years and years. A long and time, years. right? Like, yeah, I think like, 
I think one of the serial killers that Gary Heidnick maybe was the last one they killed. And I forget when that was, but, but you could sit on death row and stuff um, in PA. So he, he got him out of that. He got him out of first degree murder because it, it, it looks like eventually what happened is the lawyer came in and said to the cops, Hey, uh, okay, you know, if we tell you where the body is and if we tell you, you know, we agree to give a truthful statement and, you know, can he's going to plead to third degree instead of first degree murder. So I think the lawyer kind of did a decent job here. I mean, you got to work with what you have. Right? Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I mean, he's, no lawyers in this guy. This guy's not walking. It seems like he found an angle and was able to, to work with. It. I mean, it, it, the unfortunate part is that I was reading somewhere when he's like 70 or 77, he could have yeah. a shot at getting out. So he could, he could walk these streets again. Um, well, if, yeah, if you, um, he got, and you know, he pled to certain charges, as I said, third degree murder, abusive corpse, possession of instrument crime, tampering with physical evidence, obstructing law enforcement. And he got a negotiated sentence of 20 to 40 years. So. Which really means what? Yeah, I was gonna say in Pennsylvania, what you you get you get a minimum and a maximum sentence. Okay. So his really this his sentence is really a forty year sentence. But what what they do is the first number when you see say a twenty to forty or a ten to twenty, the first number is when you become eligible for parole. Oh. So he he cannot. He's not going anywhere for 20 years. You got to do you got to do your minimum in Pennsylvania. So, and the minimum can't be more than half of the maximum. So you you can't have a 30 to 40 year sentence in PA. Okay. Because, you know, just for for, you know, so people understand the way it works. You maybe in some states you can, but you you couldn't have a 15 to 20 because you could have a 10 to 20, you could have a 5 to 20, but the minimum can't be more than half of the max. Right. Guess not too confusing but all the minimum sentences is is when you're eligible for parole and and that's eligibility that doesn't mean you're going to get it you go in front of the parole board this guy's not going to get out at 20 years i'll tell you that yeah uh, but and, but even if he did get out in 20 years he still has to serve 40 which means he would spend another 20 on parole is that how that works yeah 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 you get right you get released and then you're he's on parole in other words he's he's kind of still doing he's still got a tail they call it you know he's still gotta walk off the other 20 years now on a you know a crime of violence and you know i don't do too much of this stuff anymore but when you have a crime of violence with dismembering a body he's not gonna he's gonna do probably 80 percent of that sentence i would guess he's probably gonna die in prison yeah yeah so you figure he's probably easily gonna do 30 years right um before they time, parole man. man i don't even think they're gonna parole him and what, what did we say he was 57 50, yeah 57 i think it was so that that's why i think when you said he's eligible he would be eligible at age 77, right? Right. Because that, that's, that's, that's the, the 20, 20 years. Right. Yep. Yeah. Now, again, he's not going to get out after 20 years. The, there's no parole board. Because what happens is you come up, and I don't, I don't know that much about the intricacies, but you come up for parole, and, you know, the parole board meets, and, you know, the victims can come in, or the victim's family can come in and say, don't let him out. 
and they they see how he was in prison and you know all this stuff and then they make a decision and if you don't get it then you go back you, you stay in prison and then you come up again you know I, I don't know how how often you come up but maybe two years later you come up for parole again right so now you've done 22 years and, and probably you don't get it that time either. So then you come up and I'm saying two years. I don't know how they calculate when you come back. Right, right, right. But you could come in front of the parole board 10 times before you get out. You may never get out. Um, so, so yeah, I this guy's going to die. I, I don't think there's any shot he ever sees the light of day. Yeah, I sure hope not. Have, have you yeah. ever represented a murder case or something to that degree? I've I've represented a couple murder cases like on appeal, okay. not not at the trial court level, but and and one of the things you know we were talking about appeals. One of the things I see was the deal was he had to waive his his appeal rights, which means oh, he can't, so he can never he can't file an appeal because a lot of these things go on. If 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 you're a murderer and you get found guilty, right, you then appeal. And then for 20 you know, years, you, like, yeah, you, you got lots of time to appeal. Yeah. <laughs> and well, you have a goes, certain amount of times you can appeal though, right? Well, you, you appeal first, you, you have what's called state rights. So you go through, you know, the superior court is the first one and you appeal that you say, well, it, it's tough to appeal after a guilty plea, obviously, but you can say my plea wasn't knowing, intelligent and voluntary, it's easier. I don't want to say it's easier. You have more issues if you appeal like a um, a trial, right? Okay. You know, because you can say, "Oh, the you know the judge erred by letting that guy talk about my prior criminal history," or the judge made a mistake when he charged the jury, or the judge, you know, the, there's a lot more room for error in a in a trial than there is if you get on the stand and say, "Yeah, I did it. I killed her." There's not a whole lot of appeal rights yeah. you have. You're kind of closing that door, which is kind of what he did. Right. He, he, he's not right. He waived his appeal rights. He's, he's not, you know, I don't, I don't know that he had any appeal rights. Right. Um, you know, when you, when you look at it, really, what, what did he, you know, he, he did it. He admitted to doing it. You know, there's evidence that he did it. Uh, you're not really giving up a ton in terms of your appeal rights. Right. Um, But I'm sure, look, I'm sure he, what happens is these guys go to jail and, and, you know, if he's sitting in jail for a couple years and he says, geez, I got, I got, you know, at least 30 years, maybe, maybe 40 years. And then you start talking to the other criminals, right? Right. (laughs) And, And they go, oh man, you know, you're, your lawyer screwed you up, man. You should have never taken that deal. You should have, uh, you, you could have got a way better deal, you know? And then, you know, they start getting in his ear and then all of a sudden now he wants to appeal. Right. 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 Now he's in the law library becoming a lawyer. Yeah. Now he's in the law library because he's got nothing but time. Right. 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 And the jailhouse (laughs) lawyers are saying, (laughs) your lawyer screwed you over. So I wouldn't be surprised if he filed something anyway and said, well, I, I, you know, my waiver of my appellate rights wasn't, you know, wasn't voluntary. My lawyer misled me. Um, You know, they always come up with something. So. (laughs) Well, so where do we leave this case at? Like, where's it left off? So he, he entered into a plea. Does that become, does that mean that we're skipping trial now that he's, he's in a plea and we're going to go right to sentencing? 
Yeah, and it's what's called a negotiated sentence. Now, he he waived his preliminary hearing, which is the first step. He They will probably have some formal, you know, usually what comes next is the arraignment, which they tell you what the charges are, and you and you can enter a plea of guilty or not guilty. He's already agreed he's guilty. So I would I would guess that there is going to be some uh, plea, like a guilty plea hearing, where they bring them in and 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 they say, Judge, you you can have what's called a negotiated plea, which what this is a negotiated plea is the prosecutor and the defendant they agree on what the terms of the plea are. Right. Okay. So, or or you can have an un. A non-negotiated or an open plea, which is like, hey, the prosecutor wants twenty to forty. Judge, we want, um, you know, we want ten to twenty. You make a decision, right? But okay. this will be a pretty short. Um, this will be a pretty short plea hearing. He'll come in and they'll say, "Here's the deal," and it, it's interesting because I think it's all spelled out. Uh, I think they even spelled out what the deal was that he's he's going to. He's going to plead guilty to these charges, and then we said them before. He's going to give a, a complete and truthful statement, which I think he already did. He'll help them locate the remains of his wife, which I think he already did. He yeah. Took them down. Um, and then he'll get a sentence of 20 to 40. He agrees to no bail, which obviously he's not getting bail anyway, and, and, and he waived his prelim. So at some point, yeah, I think procedurally, I would, I would guess in the next couple weeks or months, he's got to go in front of a judge and they're just going to formalize this thing. Right. Okay. Um, but he's sitting in jail, obviously. I mean, he's, he's doesn't have bail. So he's sitting in jail. He's, he's already working away at that 20 to 40. He's, <laughs> he's, yeah, getting, yep. he's getting, he's getting, he's probably got a couple weeks in. So. That's crazy, man. I couldn't it's, imagine that. I, I couldn't uh, imagine living the rest of my life in a prison. I, I, I wouldn't want to do 20 to 40 hours in a prison. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Sometimes I would visit, you know, you know, some clients who were incarcerated and stuff. And I, uh, I couldn't get out of there fast enough, you know, and I'm on the other side of the bars. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I was like, I got to get the heck. They're just up. looking for any reason to keep you in there. <laughs> yeah. If you're looking, if you're 57 years old um, and, and you're look, as I said, he's, this guy's not getting out. I mean, um, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna die in there. Um, yeah, I think so too. Um, if he does forty, he's out. He it's you know it's called you max out is what they call it. Yeah, he's uh, not scot free, but he'll be yeah. ninety some years old. You 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 walk right. He'll be. You uh, probably won't even be able to walk. <laughs> yeah, he'll be ninety seven. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. All right. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on with this? I think we covered most of it. Yeah, I, we covered most of it. People are interested i think i can i can link these things in the show notes so people can read through there's a lot of details um in this grand jury report and you know we can link to criminal complaints so people can see what a criminal complaint looks like yeah yeah curious. no I, it's cool to see the grand jury report and then the uh the criminal complaint i would definitely say we'll put that in the description for you guys to see that um mm -hmm. if you guys did enjoy this be sure to hit that like button definitely share it uh, and if you guys have any questions or concerns, you can shoot us an email or if you guys want to, uh, you know, come on to the podcast and talk about something that you've dealt with in, you know, family court, criminal court, uh, probably even a little civil court. Just shoot us an email. We could talk about it and get you on here. If you want to hire Carl, 
uh, as your attorney or have a consultation with him. All his information is on the end of the podcast here. So listen for that and we will catch you guys on the next podcast. The information contained in this podcast is provided for general information purposes only. It is not intended as legal advice or advice for a specific case or legal matter. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as an agreement for legal representation. This podcast and parties do not represent you in your particular matter unless there's an express written representation agreement between you and this firm. If you're interested in obtaining legal services, head over to cnaplaw.com or call 215-268-6333 and schedule an appointment today. That's cnaplaw.com. 215-268-6333. For more high quality music like this, head over to bensounds.com.